like you said, every sample you've gotten, you've tried. Because why? Because it's, it's no cost. It's a no cost experience for that consumer to try it, especially in the comfort, privacy, and safety of their home. And then if the product does their job and it's a good product, hey, you're gonna convert a certain amount of those. You're gonna convert 8%, 14%, 32%. We're in that top tier of conversion from a trial and conversion standpoint because of our targetability, our scalability, and our delivery vehicle. If it's free, I am always down to try it. And anyone who knows me is like, yep, I've seen Steph in Costco blowing through the aisles looking for all the free samples. I literally love them. I mean, come on, free samples are universally adored. And in recent years, the customers getting the goods aren't the only ones who are benefiting. E-commerce companies and retailers alike are using samples as a way to raise awareness, convert more sales, and drive traffic to a product or webpage. And it's working really, really well. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, you're going to hear a different voice today because mine was gone completely for two days. So I brought in a guest host, Albert Chow, who serves as the VP of Operations at Mission and hosts one of our other shows called IT Visionaries. Albert got to sit down with Doug Geyer today, the co-founder and director of strategic development at Brandshare, the company that brings many of those free samples to your door. Doug explains that sampling is a tool that any brand can take advantage of. And if they do, they could see 97% of people who get the sample, try it out, and 32% of those folks actually convert into buyers. That's a massive opportunity. But Doug also says that most brands out there don't know that this is even possible. How has Doug and the team gotten the word out, including the story of how they landed their very first campaign with Tylenol? And what should brands be thinking about when they engage in the sampling strategy? Find out on this episode. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show and I would really love it. So please let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review, let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Up Next in Commerce. And today I have a special guest, co-founder and director of strategic development at Brandshare, Doug Geyer. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks, Albert. Honored to be here. Right out the gate, Doug. What is Brandshare and what does it do? What is Brandshare is a great, great question. We have an e-commerce media network and we built that over 37 years. And then people say, what is an e-commerce media network? That was my next question. And, <laughs> and of course, it's, it's a consortium of 800 different e-com retailers that collectively ship out 75 to 80 million e-commerce order packages every month. So what we do is we, we took those 800 e-com retailers, categorized them into 42 different lifestyles, 
and then embed a product sample or brand experience insert into each outgoing FedEx package. So that consumer, that online buyer, gets a surprising delight in their package when they receive it the next day after ordering. So it's a, it's a delivery vehicle to, for the brands, for the CPG brands, OTC brands, and a variety of brands to infiltrate the consumer's home with their product. Okay. So let me back up a little bit because I want everyone to make sure everyone understands what we're doing here. You're not a shipping fulfillment network. You don't ship and fulfill orders for the brands. Is that accurate? That's correct. Okay. You're specifically in your, so it's not on the order level. It is like when I literally get samples in my mail from a brand, brand share might be part of that. Is that accurate? That's not accurate. Uh, only because it's, it, it, our samples or our brand experience inserts right along with that FedEx order package. So give you an example. You, yeah. you order your bed linens and bath towels from bedbathandbeyond.com. Okay. So you order today, tomorrow there's a package on your front door. You come home from work, you open up that package, you, you know what you ordered, you just spent $100 and ready to go, you need these bath towels. And there in the package, there's a Tide Pods, Downy, Dual uh, fabric softener, product sample in there. You didn't buy it, you didn't expect it. It's a surprise and delight to you, the buyer, because it makes synergistic sense to ride along with washables from Bed Bath & Beyond. So that's the c- customer experience we bring to the brands and to the our e-com retailers and ultimately to the consumer in home. So I, I understand that. Um, later on in the conversation, we certainly want to dive in and understand like, how, the, how these relationships are developed because that, I find that fascinating because it sounds like you know a retailer would then offer – I mean, it's like an end cap, like they let little other brands like bid space on their end cap. Um, but, you know, talk a little bit about the power of sampling, because this is something that I definitely can see working. Less people go into retail stores, especially the last year. Most people tend to buy things that they can touch, feel, look at and so on. So to be introduced to a new product digitally, kind of hard, you know, and you're not as quick to consume a product digitally, uh, I would I would assume. And then Another value plus is I don't recall ever getting a sample and not trying it. Like literally every sample that's ever been sent to me, I tried it. Whether it was gum, I've tried literally every single sample, including, as you said, if it's a laundry detergent that I don't currently use, I'll do one load with it. Just, <laughs> just why not? So I'd love to, it's a two-part question. Love to hear, understand a little bit about like why this has become so important in, in your, your perspective. And then also kind of give us an idea of like what, what kind of value does it really bring to the retailer, uh, you know, from any case studies or results that you have? Yeah, yeah, Albert, you know, sampling is not a digital tactic. We create, we made it an e-commerce digital tactic right. by, by partnering with e-com retailers who, you know, back in the 70s, or, or I'm sorry, the, the 90s, <laughs> when we pivot, because we started in 84, we worked with catalogers. Catalogers morphed into e-com retailers. And instead of Cabela sending out 140 million catalogs a year, they now send out five million. Why? Because right. you know they're, they're, they were very well perceived or, or situated to have a fulfillment center and didn't have to build the fulfillment centers like the pets.coms of the world did. And they were making money as catalogers and morphed beautifully into an e-com retailer. So many of catalogers that we dealt with in the 80s and 90s are, are doing so well today because of that, the back end. So what we did is pivoted uh, from catalog to e-com retail. And, and built that media network, e-com media network for the benefit of the brands to instead of 
solo direct mailing a sample or instead of being in gyms with their sample instead of uh, being in store with their sample and in store sampling will always have a place with uh, many brands. Um, yeah. But this is to supplement that, not to replace that. There's a place for in store and there's a place for in home. We're in home via that FedEx ecom um, media package. So that's a beautiful thing for the brand. Cause why? Cause there's comfort, there's safety, there's privacy in your home when you can try that sample, whether it's shampoo or detergent or makeup or something for your kids, whatever it may be. You don't have to stand in front of anybody else. But it's also good for the e-com retailer. The e-com retailer gets a sample that aligns with them. And obviously they have every right to say yes or no to that sample. And that's our job, to vet out the properly aligned products and or brand experience inserts from Disney or, or HelloFresh or whatever it may be that can sample, but they can really put a beautiful educational booklet of their product or service into the packages as well. So when that happens and it's properly aligned and executed flawlessly, the consumer is the one that wins because he or she is going to try that product. Like you said, every sample you've gotten, you've, you've tried because why? Because it's, it's no cost. It's a no cost experience for that consumer to try it, especially in the comfort, privacy and safety of their home. And then if the product does their job and it's a good product, Hey, you're going to convert a certain amount, amount of those. You're going to convert 8%, 14%, 32%. We're in, that top, we're in that top tier of conversion from a trial and conversion standpoint because of our targetability, our scalability, and our delivery vehicle. Wait, so you're saying for some of these samples, they'll convert 32% of the packages. Like if I send a million, 320,000 people are going to then buy this product that I just gave them as a sample. Is that accurate? That's the one step before that is how many tribes. Is it, is it 80% that tried and then you take 32% of that or is it 97% that tried? And a good program will have 80% or so try it. Well, how do you know that if someone tries it? I mean, that's... I'll, I'll walk you through that. So yeah. it's trial, 80% trial, 10% conversion. That's a nice sampling program. A very well done, flawlessly executed sampling program should have 95, 97% trial. Mm. And it really should, based on the targetability of that sampling program, whether it's brand shares or anyone else's is the derivative of that 14 to 32%. So, or 8% or 2%. So we're, we're driving as high as 32, but somewhere at 14, somewhere at 18, somewhere 21% of that 95, 96. So, Hey, 97% of that is 970,000. If it's a max, max conversion at 32%. Yeah. It's close to that 320. It's, it's 316 or so. 360,000 yeah. conversion. That's, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Those numbers are staggering. It's pretty, pretty darn impressive. I can, I can totally see a 97% try rate because that's, like I said, I've literally tried every single, or my house has tried every single sample I've ever gotten. You know what I mean? You send me a snack, I'm going to eat it. I send me a, I mean, I guess the only time I don't try it if it's damaged, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't try if it was damaged. Um, so talk a little bit about how do brands get in to these sample packs? Because there are a lot of brands and part what's one what's really fun about up next in commerce is we get to interview companies that are small. We get to interview companies that are just starting and we get to interview companies that have, you know, reached massive size and scale. Are most of these product samples done by con- people who have consumables? So like, I don't think Yeti's sending tumblers. I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> but, but, but there's an opportunity for that and that's a different world, yeah. but the majority of our business is from, I'll use the term CPG, consumer packaged goods, and OTC, okay. over-the-counter goods. So, you know, to a layperson, any, any brand, when you walk into a grocery store, 
or you walk into a drugstore, any brand that's on the shelf yeah. is basically a, is a brand prospect of ours that we call on, we talk to, whether it's the Unilevers or the Procter & Gamble's or the Campbell Soups or whoever they may be, uh, are our clients. And we, we educate them on the opportunity. Many brands have never heard of what we do and how we do it. And when really? we describe that, where they're like, well, I had no idea you could do that. Wow, that's, that's really awesome. And, and, and it's not you know, super expensive. We're not, we're not the low cost provider for sampling. We're not the high cost. We're super effective. We have clients that have been with us since the 90s because of that. And it's not like a brand samples every month, like they advertise every month or market the same brand every month. But typically they'll sample when, when they have two, two, two things. They want to defend their legacy brand against challenger innovator brands. Okay. You know, look at the Tylenols of the world. And sure. then you have those, uh, those legacy brands that have a new formula, new shampoo and conditioner that's a little different than it was before, or a new flavor, a new texture for skin cream. Something that when, they, when the consumer tries it, it's going to make a difference. Whether they try it once or they give them enough cream, skin cream, let's say, to try it for the week. And it makes a difference and they see the difference. And then they have that trial conversion and the lifetime value of a new buyer who's going to buy from them once a month, once a quarter, twice a, twice a year, whatever it is for how many years. All right. So let's say, let's say, for example, you know, energy drinks, there's a lot of energy drinks out there. Let's say I'm an energy drink company, been around for a little bit, hovering right around a couple million dollars in sales, but I haven't like broken through. I sure. think I need to reach new markets, new people. And I discover that gamers are an untapped market. Uh, they tend to drink energy drinks. They stay up late at night, but there's a downside. They don't want to be twitchy, let's say, for example, because Red Bull makes me twitchy. Um, they want to be like, we have a smooth energy drink. It's going to keep you smooth, but focused because so you can game all night long. And they come to you and they knock on your door and they say, Doug, I want to get this in the hands of gamers. Is that how it works? Do they already have a target audience in mind where they come to you and say, who could we possibly bundle with or do they even are they even more specific and say i want to get in the retail box of x yeah how does this how does this work it's it's the former and it's hey uh, i hear you, uh, you, you if they're knocking on our door they've heard from a podcast like this or some of our marketing communications that we have an e-com media network that has 42 different lifestyles they're like is one of those 42 lifestyles appropriate for my brand because my brand yeah. is gamers my brand uh, targets gardeners my brand targets diabetics or sure. a parents conscious woman. So we have a network, we'll pull the network down and say, okay, for the wannabe Red Bull that you described, who, who is a, you know, could be a DTC challenger and yeah. they're not in Walmart or they're not in Kroger, they're not in a uh, shelf, but they're just shipping direct to consumer. You can buy a four pack, eight pack case, whatever it may be. Great. Yeah. So we can arrange to put their, their sample in the Alchemy FedEx packages of who? Of Newegg.com. It's a game, you know, the game. Yeah, yeah. America, gaming right? computer components, yeah. Products, cables, you name it. So in there with a collateral piece. So that Red Bull, or I'm sorry, that, that energy drink will have a neck hanger on it and or some type of collateral piece with it that tells that consumer why this is good for you. It's not just chemicals. It's, you know, 12 different sets of, of vitamins or whatever the yeah. case may be. And then what? And then what do you want them to do as a direct result of trying that? You want them to buy it and where? Yeah. Make it easy and convenient. So we'll put a QR code on there that directs them right to the site or right, right to, if they are in, in retail, to Amazon, to walmart.com to buy it or with one click, with click to cart uh, technology. 
So it's easy and convenient for that person to sit there, try it, like it, buy it right on the phone. That is sweet. Tell me a little bit about like what happened. What are some of like the success stories that you may have from this? Because I have a feeling like some of the, some of the brands that you've worked with in the past, like, uh, you know, they kind of plateau or whatever, and they just need more people to try it. And they, and they hit the right demographic and it pops. I'd love to hear any success, like things that stories that you have of brands that once they got into the right partners or the right demographic, like things just fundamentally transformed for them. Yeah. It, it becomes a, not a promotion. It becomes part of their advertising. It does become a staple in their advertising because they could test much like you test anything to see if yeah. it works, whether you're testing digital, you're testing DM, direct mail, you're testing outboard. There's some type of call to action that makes it accountable and responsible to the, the, the dollars and the resources you're investing in that marketing tactic. In this case, yeah, uh, that, that, that want to be uh, Red Bull that's 2 million, but wants to be 2 billion, they yeah. can test with 100,000 and have that clear call to action of how many cases did I sell with this QR code versus the QR code or, or another type of uh, call to action to use them with another vehicle. And they can track accordingly. We've had 100,000 campaigns turn into 600,000 of, of carded uh, value. We've had you know, $250,000 campaigns turn into $1.9 million of carded through uh, click to cart technology. And why? Because we're, we're delivering that single solo sample, not with a collection of samples, that single solo sample through FedEx and UPS right into the person's home where, again, the trial rates are going to be at their highest because they're, they're in the privacy and comfort and safety of their home. No one's around. And, and that really came into play with COVID. I get it. But, you know, those, those uh, nuances are, are going to keep going throughout COVID. They were always yeah. part of our, 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 our program before COVID. And COVID just kind of made it more prevalent to the, to the brands to say, I really want to be in there now. Do you have any brand stories that you're able to share? Well, you know, the, the, the Tylenol story is a great one where they were one of the original testers, or if not the, the original tester okay. of e-com. And back then it was not even the e-com. It was just catalog packages with the L.O. Bean, Eddie Bauer, Cabela's, and Sportsman's Guide. So we did 200,000 pieces, 50,000 each, coded each UPC code accordingly, because back then it was just coupons. The redemption rate was so high that they thought there was an issue. There wasn't an issue. And they rolled out to 4 million pieces immediately after that. So they went from 200,000 to 4 million pieces. Why? Because your case, they saw it work and they wanted to be there before competitors, the Advils and the Leaves of the world. So that was a springboard for them. And they've been a client ever since, J&J and McNeil Pharmaceuticals. So we don't lose clients, which is a nice, nice thing about what we do. It works. It yeah. works for two sets of clients, right? We got the brand client and the e-com retail client. It's got to work for both parties because this has got to be a surprise and delight for the e-com retailers customers that we're riding along with. And it's got to work big time for the sampling customers because they don't just have what? They don't just have the cost of distribution. They have the cost of the goods too. Cost of goods sold, yeah. Cost of goods sold. So they're giving that away, 100,000, 500,000, 14 million pieces. And that's yeah. some, some cost of goods that, that has to be re, re, uh, re, regained by additional sales. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, 
then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. For a CPG product, makes total sense because we as people, we're creatures of habit. Once we buy a specific brand, if I buy a certain soap, I buy that soap every time. I buy shampoo, I buy that shampoo every time. I buy anything, even tape. We, we buy 3M scotch tape. Like we're not, we're, or like we're going to buy gorilla tape or whatever. Like everything we buy, we are, we're creatures, humans are creatures of habit. If you can get that habit to develop, the lifetime value is substantial. That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. The lifetime value is not about the one-off, one-time buy. It's, hey, your typical buying cadence of toilet paper, of skin cream, of shampoo, of toothpaste, of whatever it may be is based on the product category is going to be what it is. So it's once a month or once every six months, a bottle of Tylenol, maybe once a year, if that, you don't get that many headaches. So with, yeah. with 60, 60 tablets in there, that might be once a year. You know, that, that better be, you better be good. So <laughs> next year you win it in that medicine cabinet for the next 12 years instead of one year. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about for the retailer. So the retailer, of course, they're going to want to know that 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 QR code, that discount, whatever that um, the the buy add to cart, as you suggested, is done through their cart for sure. Like they're not going to want, you know, let's just get serious. Nobody wants their customer to go shop at Amazon. That's just, that's a fact of life, right? <laughs> so of course, if you had, do you have any numbers as to like how many people will just continue buying from the retailer? Because it does make sense that they would since they bought it from them to begin with. So for example, like in your Bed Bath & Beyond, if I ordered linens, I clearly I shop there, but then I get the soaps and shampoos or whatever I need. Maybe I add them to my basket the very next time I go back there. What percentage of people redeem directly at the store? And then, yeah, I'm curious for the retailer perspective, like how does that look? The majority of the, the brand's samples or products that we embed into the e-com packages are not driven back to that e-com retailer because that e-com retailer like Zulily, they sell merchandise, they sell apparel, shoes, accessories for moms and kids. They're not okay. selling, you know, Tide Pods. They're not selling uh, fruit, Mott's fruit, fruit roll. Oh, okay. So we're, we're okay to drive them to a walmart.com or amazon.com to buy that product. Okay. Okay. So. That's, that's, it's a good CX for that customer because that they're, they're trying to buy the product being sampled. Uh, w- when you're dealing with a, a uh, larger e-com retailer like a walmart.com, they will allow a sample in their outgoing packages, and then, but that has to be bought at Walmart or walmart.com. So that's really the only one e-com retailer that it, it has that scenario that you just described where it's driven back only to that one e-com retailer. No, that makes total sense. And then from, from your perspective, I guess, what does the, uh, I'd love to hear, what does the retailer gain? Like, cause in like the Zulily example, right? Yeah. I sell moms and kids products. 
you know, I'm allowing sampled products to ride my, I call it riding rails, but, you know, to travel along my package. Um, And like you said, there might not be a direct benefit immediately because I don't sell whatever product that is, uh, you know, part of the package. How does, how do you convince them to say, yeah, you can do that to my customer base? Uh, Is it just solely on a guaranteed customer experience or yeah, how, how, how does that work? Yeah, there's two things, two answers to that. One is there's a revenue standpoint from that where yep. we pay, the brand pays us and we pay the majority of that fee to the e-com retailer. And gotcha. in the, the Delta is our management fee for doing that. So it's not, sometimes it's life-changing money. Other times it's not it's a bit based on the quantity of samples or products that we're running through an e-com retailer, but it's incremental revenue from an untapped resource for sure. The bigger part of that is the, the pleasurable customer experience that Azulele or Rulala is giving to their customers that right. that's other e-com retailers are not. So they're able to give a Revlon eyeliner to a person of Rulala to someone who's buying a dress for Saturday night or some L'Oreal shampoo and conditioner that they want to try and makes their hair look great for, for Saturday night. So the, the customer doesn't typically thank L'Oreal, they thank Rulala. So the rule of law gets organic post of thank yous of, hey, you, you did a salad for me. Thanks for going, going above and beyond. Uh, you know, the Art of Shaving starter kit went into brooksbrothers.com's packages and I got my, you know, $89 shirt, but I also got this awesome starter kit from the Art of Shaving. Isn't that awesome? Thank you very much, Brooks Brothers. They'll thank Brooks Brothers, but they'll buy from the Art of Shaving. Interesting. So it doesn't, it doesn't have any brand conflict because it actually creates even more brand loyalty. They almost view the retailer as like a uh, personal buyer or something like that. That's it. Like, and they, they know, and they do know, they being the customer of the e-com retailer that, hey, that, that e-com retailer, my, one of my favorite e-com retailers is vetting out products to get, give to me because they're not going to allow anything in there. Just anything. Right. It's got to have a perfect fit. And it's our job to make sure that one, it's a perfect fit and two, you know, we send it over to our e-com retailer partners for a review by marketing, legal, and fulfillment to make sure all three approve and, and, and are okay, not just okay, but want that in there. Yeah. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you guys built this business over the years, because one of the things that's clearly evident talking to you is this is a business that requires scale. You need to be able to be in a lot of packet or a lot of homes, as you said, if these packages aren't going to a lot of homes, it just kind of defeats the purpose. Talk about how these partnerships and stuff were built over time. I mean, you mentioned you've been there since the beginning, co-founder, right? Well, was this the always the intent? Like, hey, we're going to build this giant consortium of retailers and e-commerce brands? Or how did this business start? Like, I'd love to hear yeah. this, how it evolved because I imagine it'd be extremely almost impossible to knock on everyone's door and be like, hey, I want to interconnect everybody in this network. And then I want to let, you know, products and brands ride our packages into consumers' homes. And be like, what are you talking about, Doug? Yeah. Like, who are you? <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you, Albert, so many companies I've tried over the years um, when they saw what we were doing and tried to build the same type of e-com media network. And for a lot of reasons, it's so tough to do. Uh, you can have a couple of relationships with e-com retailers, but they have 800 plus is really tough to do, manage, and fulfill and make them all happy. So we have a team with 52 folks here. Uh, how we started is, you know, me being the co-founder and another co-founder is my dad. And he's still, he's still with us, not in the business. But you know, my job, my role was to talk to catalogers and say, hey, would you accept in your outgoing packages 
an insert or a sample that would make you extra money. It wasn't about the CX for them. So that's when we recruited about 50 to do this. And our very first campaign was with Tylenol, like I told you, with, with uh, 200,000 pieces for a sample. Very first sampling campaign. Because before that, it was the American wow. Express. It was American Express uh, application, um, you know, matching that up with high, high worth, like sharper images of the world. You're too young to, to remember sharper images. Oh, I re- no, I remember sharper images. There's the catalog of gadgets and right, stuff. I remember going go, to the right. store. There's like all these gadgets and gizmos, you exactly. know, like, hey, this is a, you know, neon toaster. I'm like, I don't know why I need one, but it looks kind of cool. Exactly. <laughs> with the success of Tylenol, it really opened us up to the CPG world of, hey, let's knock on Purina's door. Hey, let's, let's, let's knock on Procter & Gamble's door. And, you know, started doing work with Cheer and Gain at P&G and Olay and, and uh, Secret. And it, it just kept working, working, working for every brand. So it really became a, a really nice situation for the brands, a really nice situation for the e-com retailers. And me as one of the, uh, the founders, you know, made me jump out of bed in the morning. Why? Because you're, you're dealing with happy customers on happy clients on the e-com retailer side and on the brand side. So uh, we built the, the, the company around that. And now put some digital, not some, but a digital stack with every campaign so that consumer knows that they can one click with a QR code, one click, uh, click the cart to order that product if they so desire. And a fair number of them are, are doing just that. And that's what makes that ease and convenience for the consumer to go, wow, this is slick. This is really nice. I'm, I'm doing it in my home. And it takes, takes just 30 seconds to do it. No, that is pretty cool. So, you know, there's there's a little bit in that story that I just I can't quite comprehend, which is how did you guys or how did you how did you guys convince Tylenol to take such a gamble on you guys? I mean, it seems like a gamble to me, right? Uh, oh, this, <laughs> what was that this, first conversation like? This is this is the story on that. Is um, I'm at I'm at a conference. Yeah. And it's the largest marketing conference in the world and back in the day. It's in this is in the 90s. And it's a three-day conference. We're, we're a young company. We can only afford to send one person out, 10 by 10 booth. You know, you've been there. there <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there's 1,500 uh, booths and there's 30,000 people walking the aisles. Last day, last hour. Everyone, all the other booths are pulling their booth down. And I'm like, I'm standing. This is in San Francisco. <laughs> we're in Philadelphia. This is in San Fran. I'm standing here. I'm going to get the last 10 minutes. I'm going to get the whole hour. So the last 10 minutes, 10 of 7 on a Thursday night, this gentleman walks up and he's suited up and I'm suited up and everyone else is pulling down. He goes, what do you guys do? And I tell him what we do. He goes, have you ever done a sample? I was like, no, but I think we can do that. So a sample in the package before that it was brand inserts like the American Express yeah. inserts. So we did that test and that's where it happened. That's where it started with that gentleman from J and J McNeil saying, you know, direct mail is not working for him anymore. This is not working for me anymore. Response is going down, down, down. Can I try something new? And we tried the catalog FedEx packages, which again, morphed into e-com packages. And um, they went from 200,000 to 4 million. When Pepsi did their, their oat from RX to OTC, they went from zero to 14 million pieces because they knew that the tactic worked, the in-home tactic where, again, private, privacy, safety, in comfort is is perfect in home versus out of home and taking it when it's appropriate for them. So it's it's a really cool success story that I could talk about for hours uh, <laughs> because it worked again. Because why? Because it works when it's properly aligned and, and logistically executed flawlessly. It works wonderfully. 
And then I got it. I mean, because so, now this business has been around since then. Yep. Uh, you mentioned 30 plus years on the service list talking to you makes total sense. You have a product you haven't been able to get penetrate or convince enough people to sign up and buy it digitally, especially now today, digitally, right? Because I mean, it's really, I got to imagine it's really hard to convince somebody to try something they've never tried before, especially if they already have an incumbent CPG they use. Um, I'll use Dr. Squatch, for example. Dr. Squatch, of course, has made a huge splash with marketing and its soaps. It's very expensive soaps, but like, you know, as great as Dr. Squatch does, you and I know this, they ain't a drop in the bucket compared to like Dove. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people that use Dove and Dial and all the Lever 2000, all those soaps, right? And so like if a company like Dr. Squatch, it makes total sense that they need more people to try it so that they know what it smells like, how yeah. it washes you, whatever the, whatever the product we name. There's these products that just have to get in the hands of people. I'm curious, what would you say the repeat rate is now, like the last five years of brands, when they come to you or you go to brands, whatever, when they do the sampling, how many of them repeat? Because that'll give a great indicator for yeah. our audience, like how successful this is. I'll tell you exactly that. It's 93%. So 93%. 93%. And, and the 7% that don't come back are like, hey, it, it worked well, but our brand overall is failing. So, you know, sampling, just sampling alone is not going to save this particular brand. Okay. So a Dr. Squash, which is, Squatch, which is already a successful brand by itself, DTC, Innovator, Challenger brands to all the, the men's grooming brands. I love the brand. Um, and I've received a sample of it in, an, in, a, in a subscription box. So, yeah. you know, that's how I found out about it. And I went online and saw one of their videos and it's well, really well done. But, you know, if they did a subscription box that had 25,000, that just happened to be one of the 25,000. That's nice. But how can they get to 250,000 or 2.5 million? Yeah. That's where in addition to what they're doing, um, they could do some things with a company like us or others. It could be in-store, out, at, at, you know, what we do. But, you know, we have the scale and the targetability to do $2 million at, on a in a monthly basis or based on a, a target, a, a certain target. Men's grooming or men's apparel or the fanatics.com, let's say. They can do uh, a number and they don't have to do a huge number to test. Let's make sure it works for you. So we're in no rush. We want to make sure it works for the brand. Let's do a small number, 100,000. Hey, that's going to cost you roughly $50,000 and based on the size and the weight of the, uh, of the, end of the sample and make sure that the, the return on ad spend is there. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. 7%. Like when you said that the brand was already struggling, I'm not going to say these were the brands that did it, but that would be like, uh, you know, for anyone, let's, let's bring some scope for people. It'd be like back in the day when Kodak started to fail, had they sent film to people? probably still wouldn't have worked. <laughs> That's one of the samples people wouldn't have tried. They're like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> That's exactly it. And, and that's where if you're going to sample, you better have a damn good product because that's going to expose your brand in awesome ways. Or if it's not a good product, it's going to, oh my gosh, that tastes horrible. Or that, did, that gave me a rash. That skin cream gave me a rash. So the trial and conversion rates will be high if, it, if it's a great product. And if it's a not a good product, don't bother, you know, obviously. Yeah, don't bother. Great point. Doug, it was awesome having you on the show today. But before you go, we have to ask you a couple questions from the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And what we do here is we ask you quick rapid fire questions and you give us quick rapid fire answers. Done. Try not to spend more than a minute on each one. You ready? This is so our audience get to know you a little better and know how you think. Go. All right. 
what's the one thing that's going to have the biggest impact on e-commerce over the next year? New tech platforms that make it even easier and more convenient for the consumer to buy, period. Yeah. Anything that makes it easier to buy. Last three years. This is last three years, including COVID. The number yeah. one driving factor of consumers going into e-commerce and buying more and more e-commerce is I save time. Not I save yeah. money, I save time. So if you're not making it easy and convenient for your customer, Mr. ER, Mr. Ecom Retailer, you better get something from a tech platform that is one click and you're done. It makes total sense. What's the weirdest free sample you've ever sent out? Well, we've been asked to send out some weird, not so much weird ones, but you know, the, the condoms of the world, and um, which makes <laughs> sense for Victoria's Secret and, you know, and Fredericks of Hollywood, et cetera. But even they said, no, no, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> we prefer not to do that. Yeah, it's like, this is necessary in, in society. Like, yeah, we just don't want to package it with our... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they get one consumer uh, complaint. That's too many. Yeah, it really that makes is. total sense. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one thing from 2020 you hope that sticks around in 2021? 2020, yeah. Well, I think a lot of the consumer buying behaviors will stick around in 21 and beyond. Uh, and that's from online grocery, buying your, your, your groceries online. You know, some people never heard of that. All of a sudden, uh, 2020, it went from what, 16% to 42% of a yeah. certain amount of, of your groceries were being bought online. Not all of them. So how much of that will uh, continue on? Uh, it is accelerated online grocery by six or seven years. So that's going to stick around. And I look at it much like the adoption, the slow adoption of Easy Pass back in the day. Easy Pass, Fast Pass, where you were from, Sudden Pass down the south. Yeah. That, wait a second. That was picked up slowly? S- slow adoption. Horrendously slow. <laughs> I mean, you know, why? Because... You know, a lot of reasons from the toll, you know, taking uh, jobs away from the toll booth workers. But once someone got an easy pass and they looked at the lane on the right hand side where people were still waiting in line to give the guy a dollar. Yeah. Uh-uh, they'll never do that again. So when they saw how, when the consumers in 20 recognized how easy and convenient e-com and online grocery is to, you know, whether it's my beer, wine or spirits, I can get it delivered by Drizzly. OK. Or I can get my dinner delivered by DoorDash. OK. They're going yeah. to continue those buying behaviors in addition to, not just in total replacement of going in store, but in addition to. So you'll see that that you already saw the acceleration of e-com by six or seven years. And it's funny how you mentioned that about grocery, because I think back to pre-COVID, you go into a Whole Foods, it's of course slammed with the uh, buyers, you know, people, people shopping for their homes. Now you go to Whole Foods, it's still slammed, but it's like with Packers. People that aren't, they're packing orders for other people to be picked up by Prime Delivery or yeah. Instacart or, or, or even curbside. It doesn't matter how someone's picking up. The point is, is like literally people pushing like uh, those carts with like tons of grocery bags. It's like the store's still packed. It's still full, but they're all pickers and packers. They're not actual people buying for themselves. Yeah. Would you rather spend an hour in a grocery store with your kids running around or <laughs> an hour playing with them at the park? It's kind of a no brainer. <laughs> I'm curious for yourself, you know, one of the things that's really cool about your story about getting started was, you know, meeting a person by chance, great relationship turned off spirit. It was a spark, an igniter for your business. Right. I'm curious if you could meet with some, anyone today and have a sit down conversation, who would you want to meet? Mark Lurie uh, from walmart.com, previous with diapers.com, 
Yupjet.com. Um, yup and Jet, of course, is a guy that I have met um, a couple of times, but real, you know, in passing. And, and we had some nice, sure. uh, nice quick conversations and we did a lot of business with uh, a lot of his direct reports. So there's a guy I want to have a beer with or have a, deer, uh, have a uh, glass of wine with one day and, uh, and, and uh, really pick his brain about what he sees going in five years because he is truly a visionary and, and, uh, and just wicked smart. <laughs> there you go. Doug, thanks for joining us on Up Next in the Commerce. Awesome. Had a great time, Albert. You were awesome. <laughs> thanks very much. listeners thanks for tuning into this episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did if you haven't already please subscribe rate and review this podcast it helps spread the word and i would greatly appreciate it see you next time thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the up next in commerce podcast If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.